Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. It's time now for a smart plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his directions. It's Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and every Sunday, you can tune in and hear, as you know, smart plain talk on the issues of the day that's related to politics, Israel, and the law. This week, uh, no different, and over the last several weeks, we have been talking about the Jewish state of Israel, the single Jewish state in the world, reestablished in 1948 and recognized by the world as a sovereign. And since that time, under a nearly constant barrage of attacks, both military and terrorist attacks, but also publicity and journalistic attacks, political attacks. And the horrific events of October 7th, which in part have continued, have thrown us into a war in the Middle East in which the Jewish state, again, the only Jewish state in the world, is set having to defend itself and its very existence. What occurred on October 7th, you try to find other examples And they are few and far between the horrific events, the barbarism, compared to, yes, uh, to the Holocaust. And many around the world see it as such. There are also those who don't, who have a different sense of morality and have lost moral clarity. Well, we have a special guest on today who is grounded in moral clarity and one who I have read for many years and who brings to light truth with moral clarity. And speaking on the subject of the war that is upon us, there are a few better. That's Jonathan Tobin, American journalist, editor-in-chief of JNS, the Jewish News Service, 
syndicate, actually. And, you know, Jonathan has spoken on virtually all of the major news networks. Uh, He has written uh, for many across the world. And he focuses on uh, issues, Jewish affairs, Jewish issues, and certainly the state of Israel. Jonathan Tobin, thank you very much for being with us today on the Victory Hour. Well, thanks so much for having me on. So I want to start with this concept of moral clarity, uh, the, the idea of what we all saw happen and unravel. And in fact, uh, with glee, the terrorists showed what happened over the airwaves, over social media, across the world. Uh, So horrific. And yet you have people marching and rallying in the streets against Israel uh, immediately following these horrific events. Jonathan, how do you explain it? Well, I would... um sum up my um my feelings about the lack of moral clarity in in about israel about hamas about this these terrible horrific um terrorist attacks um i I think there are two main dangers we have to to look at and um, look at them separately on the one hand you have the radical left um the intersectional left as i call them which you know sort of is the um, makes up a considerable bit part of uh, the base of the Democratic Party these days, progressive style progressives. Um, these are people who buy into, and and this is this is sort of part of the ramification of an issue which we often discuss in other contexts in American politics. But these are people who have bought into the big lie that is sold through critical race theory and intersectionality that Israel is an oppressor, white, privileged state, an apartheid state, and that it is oppressing people of color who are Palestinians. And this is a big, you know, this is a a package of big lies. You know, Israel is the state of the Jewish people. The the Jewish people are the indigenous people, if you will, of the the land of Israel. We have said that many times on this show, uh, well before October 7th. Yes, and and we need to emphasize it. Um, the Jews are not colonists in their own country. They're not imperialists in their own country. They are Zionism is the national liberation movement of the Jewish people, and uh, efforts to depict it in in some context, some ideological construct about privilege and racism are insane. They're you know not the least because. The majority of Israeli Jews um, are, according to the definitions of the American left, people of color themselves because they trace their origins to the Middle East or North Africa. So, so that's that's just basically wrong. You know, Israel isn't a white state; it's not an oppressor state. You know, it's the only democratic state in the region. Um, it has nothing to do with apartheid. These are all huge lies, but they're bought by uh, sort of the hard left in our country. That's why we see these pro-Hamas demonstrations in our major cities. Even more to the point, that's why we see pro-Hamas demonstrations on, uh, you know, elite college campuses like Harvard or Columbia University, where I went, uh, a long, you know, a long time ago. 
Um, these these are ideas that are you know sort of toxic myths, but they're bought by many of our, of our elites, and um, that's why there is this you know uh, this pushback from the far left, claiming that Israel is in the wrong, that Hamas is just you know um, resisting oppression. Um, so so that's insane. And, it, and it's wrong. And whether it takes the form of uh, sort of demonstrations in Times Square in New York or a demonstration in the Capitol, uh, sort of a mini insurrection, if you will, um, frankly, by far left wing anti-Zionist Jewish groups like If Not Now and Jewish Voices for Peace that have themselves dabbled in anti-Semitism, I might add. Um, these do not represent, um, you know, um, the view of uh, anybody, a splinter of American Jewry or even a split, you know, a, a, a considerable portion of the American electorate. I mean, they're they're heard and respected on the progressive left, but most Americans have no patience for it. What what this Jonathan... is an outrage you know, yeah. just though to see those demonstrations in favor of terrorism, in favor of the shedding of Jewish blood after yeah. the worst mass slaughter since the Holocaust is outrageous. It's infuriating. But let me tell you what I'm really worried by and what I'm really upset by. I'm upset by what I would call decent liberal opinion, such as the pundits who write for the New York Post or the, excuse me, New York Times, not the Post, the New York Times or or the Washington Post, um, who condemn Hamas, but treat Israel and its efforts to defend itself as morally equivalent to Hamas, who treat, um, who buy into any lie that, you know, is is thrown at them by Hamas, such as the one this week about um, Israel bombing uh, a Palestinian hospital and killing 500 people. When, you know, if you just wait a few minutes, you know, they, they bought it immediately. They didn't even question it. Um, it. It quickly became apparent that it was like many rockets that fall on Gaza. They were you know, from the Palestinians themselves. It fell short and it fell in the parking lot of this hospital. And who knows how many people died? Hopefully not many. And we, you know, we don't want anybody to to be hurt. But um, the statistics all come from the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry. But the New York Times ran with it before they had to pull it back. Um, And this creates an atmosphere in this country in which enlightened opinion, you know, not just the progressive far left, but sort of the foreign policy establishment, mainstream pundits are treating Israel and Hamas the same and calling for a ceasefire and deprecating Israel's efforts to defend itself. Policies that would basically allow Hamas to profit from its crimes, to remain standing at the end of this and um, to prove that uh, the United States isn't, you know, um, supportive of Israel, really, despite President Biden's statements. And this push for moral equivalence, this push back against moral clarity, and indeed, as as one writer in the Washington Post said, he's against moral clarity because he sees, you know, if you're willing to differentiate between good and evil here and to identify Hamas as evil and Israel's right to defend itself as good, he's against that in itself. It's a moral relativism. This is a you know, sort of a, a rot in, 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 in the soul of America that these views are so mainstream, but they are. And that is something I'm worried about when you speak of moral clarity. Most, most worried. It, uh, you know, it is something that we have talked about on this show uh, for, for many, many months. And you put it uh, so eloquently 
and the the example, the horrific example that we are living through, uh, really shows in stark form the difference between those who live a life with moral equivalency, uh, the 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 arsonist and the fireman, uh, moral equivalency or relativity, and no understanding of moral clarity. We're talking to Jonathan Tobin today on The Victory Hour, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, and uh, one who understands and is studied deeply in uh, the issues uh, that Israel faces today involving terrorist organizations like Hamas. Make sure to stay with us. Go to parkerdk.com. We'll be right back after this short break with Jonathan Tobin to talk... uh, more about the uh, the war that, you know, it has unfortunately just started and it has br- been brought to Israel, not anything that they would have wanted. But at this point, the destruction of Hamas is the objective and must be achieved. We'll be right back. Stay with us. back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. We are today with a special guest, Jonathan Tobin, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Service. Uh, Jonathan lectures widely across the, the United States, college campuses, to Jewish organizations, synagogues, across North America, debating political uh, Jewish issues, issues arising out of Israel. And he has identified for us quite clearly uh, the dangers uh, of the far left, of the new far left, the intersectionalism, uh, intersectionalistic far left, who uh, a either are lying or are completely ignorant about the history uh, of Israel, uh, but certainly have an agenda which is grounded in nothing short of anti-Semitism. But the other danger of those who uh, are the intellectual elite who have accepted much of this sort of moral relativism, which is debated even in the face of the most horrific of attacks and uh, inhumane actions by Hamas, shattering so many lives across the Middle East, and in particular in the Jewish state of Israel. And almost uh, this, this intellectual elite, almost as if they do not care or have the attitude that Israel and the Israeli Jews that this affected had it coming uh, in some form, uh, is, really, is really terrible, the fact that it has led to that level. Would they have said such and maybe if they were alive, they would have uh, in the face of the in the 30s of Nazi Germany, uh, because it is not far from that at all as they were uh, coming to rise in power in the 30s. Jonathan, uh, you know, this uh, 
war appears, it, it has already been declared, but appears to be on the very near-term horizon. How might this roll out? What might, uh, how, how might this spin out of control potentially? And how does it affect the geopolitical relationships of the powers that be around the world? Well, um, we anticipate that at some point in the near future, uh, the Israeli ground offensive into Gaza, to uh, in which um, the Israeli government, um, responding to the demands of its peace people, will seek to eradicate Hamas, to basically end the Hamas state that has existed in Gaza since 2007. Remember, Israel withdrew every so- settler, settlement, and soldier from Gaza in 2005. 2006, Hamas won an election there. 2007, it became a Hamas state via a coup. And uh, since then, um, it's been an independent Palestinian state in all but name. And um, Israel has tried to live with it. Um, Basically, and Netanyahu is being blamed for this now, and even though he wasn't the only one who had this policy, but uh, that, you know, was basically live and let live. You stay on your side of the fence, we'll stay on ours. You shoot at us over the fence, we'll shoot back at you and take out those missile launchers. But Israel demonstrated over and over again, it had no desire to go into Gaza. Um, what Hamas about the blockade, Jonathan? What about the blockade? Gaza. You know, yeah, people well, the bring blockade, it up all the time and say, oh, you put them in this cage and, you, you know, you didn't let things in or well, out, this sort of thing. It's some blockade because every day, several hundred, you know, when the war wasn't on, every day, several hundred trucks went from Israel into Gaza, bringing food and all sorts of other material. Um, so it was, that's not exactly that much of a blockade. Um, and they know, were and they were able. I'm sorry to interrupt. They were able to build all these tunnels with cement and and reinforcement yeah. and electricity and. Gaza has received, the Hamas government in Gaza has received billions in aid from the West. It's also gotten a lot of aid from Hamas, from Iran, its its main sponsor, its main political and uh, military sponsor. So, I mean, it's true. um, The border is strictly controlled. But yet 20,000 Gazan Palestinians went to work every day in Israel, um, a big boost for their uh, Gazan economy. And frankly, you know, part of the misconception about what Hamas wanted was the belief that the, Hamas would not do anything to to, to disturb that. Um, obviously, that was a mistake. Um, it's true that Egypt blockades its borders. That there's no, you know, normally there's no humanitarian court. You know, there's no convoy of trucks from Egypt. Egypt wants nothing to do with Gaza. Wants nothing to do with Hamas, which is a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood which is the movement um, that seeks to overthrow the military dictatorship in Egypt. So there's no sympathy in Egypt. So, so much for the blockade. It has been an independent Palestinian state. And instead of um, an incubator for peace, as some thought in 2005, it's exploded the idea that the two-state solution is actually a, a potential solution because anything, you know, it, it's it's a, a instead of a partner for peace, it's a terrorist fortress. And indeed, the reason why there hasn't been an election on the West Bank since 2005, 
when Mahmoud Abbas was elected president of the Palestinian Authority, and he's currently serving in the 19th year of the four-year term to which he was elected, and the reason why there haven't been any more elections is because Abbas knows that Hamas would beat him if he had another election. So contrary to what President Biden has said, and I say this sadly, not with any satisfaction, Hamas is not isolated among the Palestinians. It has broad support because the political culture of the Palestinians valorizes terrorism and the shedding of Jewish blood. It is, you know, their national identity has become inextricably tied up with this century-old war on Israel, on Zionism, in which they are dedicated to this fantasy of getting rid of it, which will never come to pass. So, you know, and you talk about how, well, what comes next? Well, the ground defense... Before we get get mm -hmm. to what comes next, just one last point on what you were talking about. the, The comment also comes up, well, wait a minute, what about all those people in Gaza that don't support Hamas? They are innocents in all of this, and they're not... Uh, supporters of Hamas over all these years. Are there many of those people in Gaza? Well, there are probably some. Um, I mean, it's no fun to live there if, unless you're an Islamist yourself. But it's, you know, kind of their responsibility. You know, they, it's not our responsibility to, you know, um, govern Palestinian society. It's the Palestinians. They have let this happen. Um, you know, the analogy to World War II, there, there were, especially after the war, they would tell you that many Germans opposed Hitler and the Nazis, and they were basically held hostage. I mean, there were some, obviously, most, you know, he, he had broad, Hitler had unfortunately broad support among uh, the German people for a long time until until he started losing the war. But, you know, there were lots of German, you know, many German civilians were killed in the bombing, in Allied bombing campaigns and in the offensive into Germany, uh, which is too bad. But that didn't mean that the effort to take down Nazism, to destroy this evil regime, was immoral. In fact, it was the most moral thing possible. And holding off on such a campaign would have been immoral. And I would argue the same thing about the, the campaign to get rid of Hamas. Leaving it in place is immoral because it enables and plans horrible crimes. They are. It is a criminal regime. It needs to be destroyed if there is any hope for anybody in the region. And those calling for a ceasefire now, whether from the far left or from uh, centrist liberals who are who are upset about the idea of Palestinian civilian casualties, well, you're just more blood will be shed in the long run if Hamas is allowed to stay in place. It's time to end this uh, travesty. And um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be messy. It's going to create tremendous pressure on the Biden administration and on Israel to stop. But Israel can't stop. It's, it's, its life depends upon it. And so the geopolitical spin out of this could be significant. And it could, in fact, affect mo- much more than just uh, a Hamas-Israeli battle. Well, that's true. Um, Iran, which helped orchestrate this, which is neck deep in the planning of of these crimes, Um, Hezbollah, you know, they control Lebanon through Hezbollah, which is, you know, they're they're not an ally. They are really auxiliaries. They take orders from Tehran. Um, You know, the the myth that Lebanon is an independent country is, is a big lie. Lebanon is basically a colony of Iran right now, which is too bad for the people who are not Shia fanatics, but that's the that's the fact. 
Um, and it's possible that Iran will seek to escalate this through Hezbollah, you know, firing at northern Israel. If so, I mean, that, you know, that will make a broader war, but that doesn't make it any less necessary to get rid of Hamas. And um, if the United States has anything productive to do right now, other than standing with Israel, it is sending a message to Iran, don't try it. I hope Biden is doing that. Um, the one thing, you know, he's very good at demonstrating empathy for Israel and solidarity. He has been very bad. You know, he's been appeasing Iran up until now, and they don't believe him. Um, he needs to convince them sort of in a he needs to channel a little Donald Trump right now and convince them of his seriousness in trying to stop them. Iran is a paper tiger. Iran, you know, has powerful terrorist forces. It's the lead, world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. But it is not a strong country. It is a weak country in many ways. And the United States has been treating it like a strong country. That has to end. And if it and if we can make it clear to the Iranians that their regime will suffer if they widen this war, then perhaps this escalation will be averted. Well, Biden, uh, you know, he did send aircraft carrier uh, uh, group to the eastern Mediterranean. And I think he has sent uh, more since. Mm-hmm. In terms of support, that is a probably mainly for the purpose of a message, uh, a serious message uh, by him. His first speech, as you say, uh, he's very good at empathy. His speech was strong, uh, you know, and I am no Biden supporter, as people know. But uh, for U.S. president, first one in history, I believe, uh, to go to Israel during wartime, uh uh, to give a speech like that right out of the box, uh, I thought was impressive. So I'm hopeful, uh, but I understand fully that based on history, we we shouldn't uh, expect uh, too much. And of course, when it comes to Israel, they will rely on no one other than themselves in the end, uh, because uh, that is all that they can rely on uh, in this world. We're talking to Jonathan Tobin, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate uh, and uh, really steeped in an understanding of not just the Middle East and the state of Israel, but the conflict as it has gone on for many years, although October 7th changes the dynamic entirely. And uh, what a horrific day that is, and it will live in infamy in Jewish lives forever unfortunately now we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with jonathan tobin very shortly don't go far make sure to stay with us but take a look at parkerdk.com parker daniels keyboard wise counsel winning result results top law firm litigation firm in downtown minneapolis and you know you're gonna see what is often referred to as an award-winning website when you go to parkerdk.com. I learned something as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, it's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. 
Our special guest today on the Victory Hour is Jonathan Tobin, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate and one of the top speakers and writers on issues arising in the Middle East, Israel, uh, the Jewish state. And today he is very busy, and it's unfortunate the despicable barbarism of Hamas, but not just Hamas. What about Hamas's enablers? Who are they? How is it that Hamas could grow to this level of this level of hatred through generations consistently and and view their position in the world as only being strengthened? Jonathan Tobin has commented on that a number of times, but during this very show, talking about some of the far-left organizations, talking about some of the intellectual elite mainstream liberal, liberal organizations. Some of them have already shifted their views of the conflict. Others are a bit more on the fence and supportive of Israel for now. But how long will that last? Jonathan, what do you expect, being a scholar uh, of, of journalism, what do you expect from our news organizations in covering, uh, well, what they've already covered, but then once the ground invasion uh, begins and other geopolitical issues are upon us? Well, um, the state of uh, mainstream journalism is pretty dismal right now. I'm not telling you something that you haven't heard before. Um, we have, you know, the question of media bias against Israel has fundamentally shifted in in the last um, generation, really the last 10 years or so. Um, back when media monitoring groups like Camera, which, you know, is, um, you know, the one of the primary groups that monitors anti-Israel media and makes, you know, forces the, them to make corrections and does a really great job. When Camera began its work in, in the early 80s in response to the um, biased coverage of Israel during the first Lebanon war, a lot of the bias was rooted in ignorance and just, you know, sloppy, bad journalism. Um, most people don't know much about history. You know, for journalists, what happened yesterday is history. What happened the day before yesterday is ancient history. Asking them to, you know, understand, you know, what happened in 2008 or 2000, 1960, you know, 7, 1948, 19, you know, it, it's much too much to ask. And a lot of the, you know, mistakes and bias against Israel was rooted in that kind of ignorance and also in the fact that journalists just like to write a story from the easiest in the easiest way possible and that is to frame it as uh, you know from the point of view of the underdog against the you know against the more powerful figure mm-hmm. and um since it survived the wars of elimination wars of extinction aimed at it Israel is now um depicted as the Goliath and the and the Palestinian Arabs as the David uh, rather than the other way around and so a lot of media bias is rooted in this sort of you know sloppy ideas, but it's gotten much worse in the last decade or more. 
uh, because we have a whole new generation of, of journalists who have been taught, you know, as well, I referred to earlier, you know, the intersectional, you know, critical race theory view of the world in which they do believe that Israel is a white privileged oppressor state. Um, they take it as a given that the Palestinians, not the Jews or the indigenous people and are the good guys in the story. And they write it from that point of view and it, it infects everything they do. And also we have a, a, a sort of a culture shift within journalism that has been most notable really since Donald Trump came on, came down the escalator and into our lives, where journalists, even mainstream, supposedly credible journalists, and they'll tell you, you know, some of them will speak openly about it. Some of them, you know, colleagues will say it off the record, you know, in conversations. They think the old rules of trying to be objective don't apply anymore because, you know, Trump was evil. You know, they saw Trump as uniquely evil and anything, even no matter how biased their coverage, no matter how how they would tilt it against him, against Republicans. They thought that was right because they saw, you know, the, the left is good and the right is evil. And since they shoehorn Israel into this, you know, already, you know, skewed perspective, that is that is why Israel gets a bad deal uh, a lot. And more so than even in the past when it was mostly just rooted in ignorance and, um, and sloppiness. Um, so, of course, we're going to see this generation of journalists and pundits who buy into the, you know, who do see Israel as morally equivalent to the people trying to, to slaughter Jews, who murder, rape, kidnap. Um, you know, that they view Israel's measures of, of self-defense as no different than somebody, you know, than bestial terrorism. So you can't expect, you know, fair journalism for people who see the world that way. And that's why, you know, and, and listen, it, it's, you know, as I tried to sort of frame it more broadly by, you know, talking about how journalism changed, you know, if you read a, a paper like the New York Times or, or the Washington Post, there's an editorial in every news headline, in every paragraph of every story. And not just in the news, you know, there's political bias in their coverage of sports and the arts. Um, you know, there's no more political section of the New York Times than this than the sports when it actually had a sports section, which it doesn't really anymore, which is another story. But um, so, you know, you, Israel can't possibly get a fair sh shape from these. And that's why you have to look to other media, which, you know, will tell you the truth. And I'm, I'm the head of one organization that tries to fill that gap jms.org but you know is you know we're we're relatively small you know we're not the new york times um and so it creates a, a tremendous imbalance and it works against israel in this country it especially works against support for israel among american jews uh, even more so than among non-jews because you know most non-jews don't believe what the media says about anything let alone about israel but American Jews, um, majority of whom are you know, still overwhelmingly liberal, they believe the New York Times. They think it's, you know, for just taking the Times as one example of mainstream liberal media. And they think it's the Bible. And it also affects their self-esteem when Israel is painted as the villain unfairly. It affects the way they think about themselves. You know, it, it works the, the other way. When Israel... You know, when Israel was born, when Israel had tremendous triumphs, it raised 
the self-esteem of every Jew in the world, whether you're a Zionist or non-Zionist, religious or non-Jew, every Jew held his head up higher because there was a Jewish state. Um, and when Israel is depicted as a villain, it affects the self-esteem of Jews in that same, in, in negatively. And so that's why we see these these self, you know, I'm not going to say self-hating because as, as one uh, wag likes, and some people like to say, it's not themselves they hate, it's the rest of us. But um, it, it, these, these anti-Zionist, really anti-Semitic Jewish groups working against Israel alongside you know, pro-Hamas groups in the Arab-American community and the far left. You know what is scary, Jonathan, is, uh, you know, being an American Jew uh, myself and and understanding our community, uh, I think, uh, quite well, um, it's it's not so much the far-left Jewish community, of which, you know, it's it's not insignificant numbers, but uh, relatively speaking, not huge. Um, it is the mainstream liberal Jewish community, which is large relative to the Jewish community as a whole. Uh, it's very significant numbers who have over time with the drumbeat of messaging and narratives, anti-Israel narratives, have become much more accepting of the anti-Israel narratives. And I think that sort of, and I'm talking about, you know, friends of mine, people who, you know, are educated and, and grew up with me with the same sort of love for Israel that we have. Even those folks have become much more accepting of the, the, the anti-Zionist, Jew-hating, Jew-Israel messaging Saying, "Gosh, you know, we're maybe we need to do better. It's our fault. We we need to uh, make changes." Uh, yeah, they've internalized the hate. Yes, and it and it's just uh, you know it's horrific because it's become mainstream. And when Jews do that, it gives cover for the true anti-Semites uh, in the rest of the community to come out and say, "Well, look at I'm not saying anything more different than uh, this guy, and he's Jewish." So, Jonathan, why do you think uh, uh, the world at large has come out generally and broadly quite supportive uh, of the state of Israel? And how long is that going to last? Well, um, there's a basic truth about modern Jewish life that was summed up in the title of of uh, Daryl Horn's uh, great book of essays about anti-Semitism, which read, everybody loves dead Jews. Um, Jewish victims are popular. Um, people mourn the, the victims of the Holocaust. Um, this, the, the, the evidence of the horrific crimes that were committed against Israelis last week shocked many people in the world. However, live Jews seeking to defend themselves have never been terribly popular. And um, the idea of uh, an Israel that has the power to defend itself, that doesn't sit back and be slaughtered, um, you know, it, it, it runs, you know, it, it sticks in the craw of anti-Semites. And we have a rising tide of, of anti-Semitism around the world. 
Um, and, you know, it is mostly manifested in anti-Zionism and anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism because if you're going to deny to the Jews that which you would never think of denying to anyone else, you're practicing discrimination against Jews, which is anti-Semitism, as you lawyers would say. That's the term of art. And, uh, you know, the instinct to demonize Israel is rooted, you know, in 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 you know historic anti-Semitism. It's a way, you know, if they can depict you know Israel as the Nazis, it it, it lessens guilt for the actual Nazis and for the un, unwillingness of people to stop the Nazis. So there is a compulsion to demonize Israel in that way. It must be resisted, and you know we have to welcome the support of um, of the wider world when it does the right thing. President Biden. Although I could, you know, note some criticisms of things he said this week, even in his uh, speech, the overall tone has been supportive, not seeking daylight between Israel and the United States, as his uh, former boss, Barack Obama, was always after. Indeed, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it would be impossible to imagine Obama making speeches like the ones that that Biden has made in the last 10 days. So we have to welcome that. We have to say thank you. Good. We need more of it. Will it last? Well, as a, as we've already discussed, um, the forces on the left are, 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 you know, whether it's the chattering classes and the pundits or the hard left that are the shock troops of the Democratic Party in this country, um, they're going to be pushing against and seeking to distance, uh, create more distance between the United States and Israel. It remains to be seen as things get messy in Gaza during the ground operation, will Biden, whether Biden will stay the course you know, he's governed from the hard left, even though he was elected as a centrist. He has been a very left-wing president. This is a rare instance in which he seems to be willing to, um, you know, throw the hard left overboard. We'll see if he sticks with it. Yes, very, uh, very interesting. We will see, and we should all be watching closely. We thank Jonathan Tobin, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate for being with us today on the Victory Hour. Very insightful. Uh, your opinions are welcome. And as I told you before the show, uh, my readings of them uh, are spot on. And I appreciate uh, all the time today, Jonathan. We uh, hope to have you on the Victory Hour again soon. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll be right back after this short break. You stay with us. We got one segment left. It'll be a doozy and a good one uh, to think about, to consider. So stay right there. Go to parkerdk.com. Be right back. We're back to complete today's portion of the series regarding the horrific attacks on the Jewish state of Israel. Attacks made on the Jewish state because it is a Jewish state. Attacks intended to terrorize citizens of the state of Israel and to murder them to drive them out of their ancestral homeland, the land that they are the indigenous people of. And what you're going to see is what you now have started to see, 
in terms of media coverage. As you may already know, there was a bomb explosion at a hospital in the Gaza Strip. And immediately Hamas put out a statement that it was the Israelis that blew up these innocents in this hospital, 500 dead. And, of course, journalists, without looking into it, immediately went with the story. Now, of course, they didn't do that on the other side. They waited days, and now it's weeks since some of the atrocities have come out. Uh, of the other side in terms of Hamas carrying them out against Israel. But they waited on the stories until they had all of the information and it was accurate. Not the case. When it comes to Hamas, they believe them. They publish. New York Times publishes immediately. So be aware that that is not what happened. The Israelis do not bomb hospitals. They do not intend to kill civilians. The only in this uh, horrific war that does that is Hamas, sponsored by Iran. Don't believe the stories when they come out. Wait and determine. We'll be back next week with another episode of uh, The Victory Hour as we continue our coverage of the war in Israel and our prayers go out to all of the citizens of the state of Israel. God bless them. Until next week, I wish you all a wonderful week. And hope.